Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. What is going on, Diesel Nation? We're excited to have you guys with us today on the Diesel Podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube and aren't subscribed, make sure and click the subscribe button, like, comment. You know, let us know what you think of the episode. If you have other questions about the topic or you'd like to hear from a particular guest, let us know. We're always checking comments on there. Love to hear from you guys. On today's episode, I'm going to be joined by a Diesel Podcast listener. He had reached out to us and uh, he operates a, a semi truck and he wanted to chat with us about challenges that they face in that market with emission systems, fuel costs, uh, the cost of vehicles, longevity of, uh, of them. And I really wanted to learn more. I don't know a lot about it. And I was really curious to see how emissions have impacted those vehicles. Then also maybe what the future holds for being able to get more efficiency out of them. And if that's going to you know, kind of trickle down to the pickup truck market. So it's going to be a really interesting conversation. I look forward to it. Before we get to it, though, I want to remind you guys, if you're in the market for a knife, Kershaw Knives has 20% off for diesel podcast listeners. Just use, use code diesel20 at kershaw.kiausa.com. It's a great way to save money on a knife for EDC or hunting, fishing, work. You know, around the house they've got a ton of different choices to meet any budget you know that you might have so if, if you need something that uh you're just gonna throw in a toolbox gonna bounce around or you're an enthusiast and are looking for a particular type of either steel or, or uh yeah like blade handle anything like that they've got a ton of different choices for you all right let's get to today's podcast with christopher and chatting about semi-trucks emissions how reliable the new ones may be compared to the old ones and what the future may hold for the big rig market Christopher, welcome to the Diesel Podcast. I really was looking forward to this episode for quite a while when you had mess- messaged us on on Instagram, and um, I think it was around the time we were talking about like emissions and different things with the pickup trucks. And you're in the heavy duty semi truck segment, and I thought it'd be really cool to chat with you, learn more about that, and see how there's a lot of things in common that both pickup trucks and semi trucks have and even some differences and some innovations on that side. So welcome to the podcast. Look forward to our chat today. Yes, sir. Glad to be on here. Um, looking forward to this conversation and hopefully we can get some some helpful information and, and help us people out here. Yeah, I, I admittedly, I know very little, so I'm just going to be uh, kind of like a sponge asking you asking you questions. I wanted to start with, you know, your background in, uh, you know, in the diesel industry. Um, you know, in the career you have, tell us a little bit about that, how you got started. And, and I think that'll, you know, really kind of segue into our topic about uh, emissions and, you know, heavy duty trucks and what the future of those hold. Yes, sir. I'm a, I'm, I'm a diesel enthusiast. I've been running big rigs for about five years. Um, run a 12 valve as a daily driver as well. And part of one of my major hobbies is keeping keeping abreast to the, the the you know regulations and innovations and ideas out there on both sides of the big rigs and the medium duty trucks and seeing what we're doing to bring diesel back to the forefront and making it more reliable and more efficient yeah 
Yeah, I think that's the big thing on the on the truck side, the pickup truck side, is the efficiency and the longevity, which I, I know I've mentioned before on the podcast, but it's one of the core reasons people buy a diesel pickup truck is they want to get 300, 400, 500. I know some want seven, yep. 800, you know, a million miles yep. on them. And, you know, they're expensive, but we like how robust they are, how, how um, you know, strong the engines are and, and everything else that goes along with it. And I know when the DPFs and EGRs came out, and I'd say it even persists today, is, you know, the truck owner will think, you know, is this going to lessen the longevity of, of my diesel pickup truck? Um, you know, what's what are some challenges or, or things that I'm going to be presented with that maybe I didn't have on my 12 valve or my LB7. Yeah. But yeah. I think this is you know kind of my perception a little bit is on the semi truck side. I think this stuff kind of hits first. I think um, emissions and, and compliance and longevity and all those things are so crucial on that side with how important it is to the economy, the, the country getting goods, you know, all over. Yep. It's just, it's kind of next level with that stuff. Yep, for sure. Yeah. Um, when emissions first came out and, you know, Oh seven and made it mandatory. It was, a, it was as a couple episodes back, it was, a, it was a scramble to, to really push the market to develop something that was reliable and, and, you know, didn't grenade going down the highway. Uh, and, it's got a, it's come a long way, you know, and see, it's been 15 years since they first introduced emissions and the stuff today. Yeah. We still complain, you know, there's still problems that they're working out, but the, you know, kind of the, the, the problems do cross over in the, the cost of the repairs and the DPF systems and the, and the weight problems and the, and just the complex, you know, the, the, the complication of the systems. But where it, where it really kind of shows the difference is here in the U.S. versus like in Europe. Europe is much more of a diesel market than we are. Diesel cars, regular size diesel trucks are much more commonplace. And then big rigs, they have a higher emission standard but they don't rely on DPF systems near as much. So what they what they eventually what they what they've been doing in the last about five, ten years, and you've seen big jumps in in you know the VGT turbo has made a big difference in the emissions with how big the motors that that we run are. And then on top of that, they've done a lot of fuel mapping and fine-tuning it kind of like um koenig said with the three-cylinder motors where they have they're, they're they're super precise so you, they can build a ton of horsepower with very minimal fuel consumption that's what they're doing over in europe and we're kind of lagging behind but that's why um the volvos are really pulling ahead in in the efficiency and the power and minimizing breakdowns um they're really they're really starting to focus on the drivetrain loss in the in the transmission the tires the rear ends and they're working on getting getting close to double digit fuel mileage in in big rigs 
may not sound like a lot, but you know, my trip today, I averaged six miles to the gallon in my big rig <laughs> and they're pushing nine and a half, 10 reliably. It adds up. It really yeah. does. <laughs> and so they're, uh, Volvo is one of the leading, leading companies in, in the big rig sector that is pushing the, the efficiency and trying to match the reliability as well. And um, one of the issues that they're running into is the is the cost, because it goes back to the EPA with their arbitrary regulations and need to meddle in things that don't need meddling. They're really focusing on the pre-exhaust efficiency. Yeah, you know low drag tires, higher, uh, higher geared rear ends, fine tuned transmissions. You know, you can only get so, so fine tuned with a, with a 12 speed as an automatic, but they're really making headway in that, which in turn is creating this kind of a vacuum effect with the whole industry of forcing the American made companies. Cause you know, we like things big. We like things noisy. And a lot of times we like them, you know, <laughs> smoky as well. So, but the, the, the ability that they're will, that they're able to put out now, they're, they're just the sheer numbers that they've been running on the last, I don't know, three or four years now has really started to help the market in the efficiency and and be able to not only push back against the EPA, but render them not as necessary to show we can do things at a higher efficiency, less emissions, more power, and maintain the reliability of it. And that's really, I like it, even though I'm old school. It makes it to where I don't have to, if I don't have to fight with the EPA, I won't to make, you know, what I need, if I'm towing heavy, if I'm wanting to drag, it's, it's really been helpful to, you know, I don't have to beat them. I just have to compete with their usefulness. Now with, with the, uh, um, with the big rigs in Europe, <clears throat> you'd mentioned a little bit about them being not as dependent on the DPF. So is it, do they have DPFs over there or is it more passive than say what we're used to here with active regens and passive it's, regens? Yeah, it's more passive. It's more, um, if I remember right, the early, the early Duramaxes ran, it wasn't as reliable, but it was more of a high temperature, constant filtration system, DPF system without the def fluid. And that's similar, that, that's you know, modern technology similar to that today. And they're able to, they, they, they were really pushed to that because of the necessity that they needed the highest efficiency because of the, co the sheer cost. Because here, you know, I'm looking at, it's 478 a gallon of diesel here but that's how much it costs for a liter in europe so out of necessity they 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 hype 
they, they really jacked up their efficiency and the reliability. But the DPF was still because you, you have the you have the the treaties and the and the global packs for emissions. That's basically what they were founding off of for okay, yes, we do have some sort of after treatment system to comply with international standards. But kind of like what Volkswagen had the problem with here with their diesels, they don't have that over there of they can run their efficiency as high as possible. And then they just have to make their compliance a formality. That makes sense. Now, with with the big rig side, like in two thousand seven, and those early models, were they as plagued with issues as the pickup trucks were? And I don't necessarily know how much Duramax trucks were, but I know the six four struggled a little bit early on. The six seven yeah. uh, Cummins as well. Was it kind of the same thing there with just kind of working the bugs out a little bit? They were um, for the first year year and a half two years you'd be surprised at how many people took the 50 60 70 thousand dollars and swapped motors you know caterpillar was still a huge thing people were pissed that they left the truck market at that point in time so there was a lot there's a lot of rigs still running around that are 07 08 09 that are cat swapped or or, or c15 swapped and then that really fell off once they hit about end of 2009, 2010. They worked most of the bugs out to where, okay, we can get to 100,000, 200,000, 300,000 miles without a, a critical failure that, you know, leaves you with a huge repair bill. But yeah, yeah, they did. It was just people kind of skirted around the problem until the problem was figured out. <laughs> With um, it's interesting you brought up the mileage because I I really was curious about this. Um, say a pre oh seven you know semi truck, what kind of life or or mileage interval would be average between say a major failure where it would have to be you know overhauled or or worked on compared to you know the newer trucks with the DPF? So. The pre-emissions, there was that that's the, the that was really the defining, you know, like most trucks, that was the, the defining factor of you did your you did your maintenance right and you could go. I've seen rigs that had an in-frame rebuild at six hundred and fifty thousand miles. Multiple rigs. There's plenty of them out there that they had to replace some parts, they had to do some minor stuff, but they didn't need a full a rebuild or turbo or things like that for four to six hundred thousand miles and then there's a there's there's a there's a handful but it's a pretty big handful that are running a million one a million two original stock parts that they just wore out that was the problem is they actually wore out that didn't break <laughs> and then once the once the once the the emission systems came in that was really cut down to a lot of uh, a lot of rigs ended up with after after you know the growing pains period 2007 yeah. to 2009 or so they really um, they really on average they run about 3 to 400,000 now on a on an outside 
before they end up getting getting an in-frame rebuild or having to get new sleeves, things like that. And uh, it also kind of depends on the on the on the manufacturer. So Volvo didn't come into the picture till about ten years ago, two thousand ten or so, two thousand seven, right after the emissions came in. And then, but then you still had, you know, you still had the Cummins and then Packard came, started putting their motors out after Caterpillar quit the, quit the road market. And as much as people crap on the CX-15s, they were really, they were the, the kind of the gold standard during the, during the emissions, mid emissions era you know, 2008, nine to about 2014. And they started changing to some fuel mapping and had problems. And they, it kind of, it is kind of broken down in the, the engine manufacturer Cummins. They still had a solid four to 500,000 miles on them before they started needing them looking at serious, serious work. PACR worked out a lot of their bugs by about 2014 or so. Uh, 2014 was one of the kind of shifts where they went to much more complex and detailed fuel mapping and emissions controls. They kind of shifted fully into the electronic stage. And then Volvo came on the scene right after, right after, um, the emissions change and there's not a lot of rigs that have hit that yet most of them are still about uh, still about four or five hundred thousand miles from the original most of them are deleted at this point <laughs> in that age range but yeah the 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 uh, the pre-rebuild mileage has has gone down significantly since since the emissions and i think we hit the rock bottom about about 2018 2019 and they were they broke over into having into being able to have enough technology to to partner with the dpf system once you still have, you know, your sensor and, and actual post filtration system that has problems, but they've been able to work kind of like as much as I don't like Ford. Six, they did a really good job with the six, seven yeah. in working out the bugs, making it extremely efficient with the power, even though it's complicated, they worked out some of the, some of the reliability problems. So, yeah. Now do you would you say now, you know, where would where would the state of these trucks be in twenty twenty two? Have they? You had talked about kind of the rock bottom, you know, point and the evolution of it over you know eleven years or so. Has you know, what do people in that field think about these trucks? The mechanics, the operators, do they see? What kind of future do they see for them? Because I'm, I imagine everything is so calculated with costs, with fuel, with downtime, with repairs, with 
all those sorts of things where, you know, like for myself, if my truck was down, it's a headache, it's a pain. Um, I'm going to want it to run, but I'm not necessarily losing tens of thousands or six figures when they're down, <laughs> you know, it's just, yeah. it's kind of a headache. So, yeah, the, that's what's kind of, that's, what's interesting is to talking with drivers and, and, and shop owners and mechanics. It's kind of a mixed bag because you have old gear jammers that are like, these ones are nice. Yeah. You couldn't get as much miles out of them, but they're comfortable. They're quiet. They have air conditioning <laughs> and there's a surprising amount that once that, that, that are, that are becoming company drivers and kind of shifting over into not just on, you know, on their personal side, but enjoying the, some of the things that, 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 that the old school trucks didn't have um, on the flip side, most of the mechanics I, I, I talked to, rather work on old school stuff, you know, simplicity and, and you can point to the problem for the most part, <laughs> but at the, on, on the other hand, you know, emission systems is where they make money. Yeah. A lot of it. <laughs> and the, I think where we're at today is we're in a, in a, in a kind of a, a lull in terms of moving forward with technology and, and kind of, you know, we had several major breakthroughs in early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s, when they changed from pure mechanical to electrical. And then they changed, you know, late 2000s to a lot more computer programming and self-learning computers. And then, and 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 now we have all of the the the, the collision mitigation systems, the lidar, the the uh, the adaptive cruise control, the super cruise, and a lot of that is a it's it's mind blowing to the older to the older gen the older gearheads that are used to the you know the long nose peats and the the W nines. But in most people don't like it, but when it comes to the safety aspect, we have crazy people on the road, you know, yeah. let's be honest. <laughs> and some of the, these systems have shown to be, to help fill the gap in human error. And that's kind of where we're at right now is kind of perfecting that, that, augmented reality type of type of view and ability to not replace the human not replace the ability of of the drivers but to expand their ability and maintain the uh the safety aspect and keep them keeping you know deadly wrecks from happening so that's kind of where we're at currently is this lull of We've reached the peak of technology for the most part until we find the next one, which most most of the, the researchers and labs are looking they're looking four or five decades out from now. And they're like, that's kind of where we're at of 
before anything new comes on the scene at this point. Most of that time is going to be fine tuning and better programming. They're wanting to integrate AI into into the to the computer systems. Take that as as people will sometimes, you know, AI is good, but there's a couple of movies out there that you're like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I always think of uh, Terminator with Skynet and everything else, but yep. What, yep. what's what's really cool is <clears throat> you're a diesel truck enthusiast and you're an operator. So if you were to compare the two of where they're at right now, would you say that big rigs are about equal with where pickup trucks are at? Are they farther ahead? Um, you know, how do they, how do they compare as far as the emission systems, the longevity, the reliability as they sit in 2022? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. They're, they're a little bit farther ahead. You know, you see you have the 2022, 2023 uh, Sierras, and I think some of the Fords have it as well. They have the, the Super Cruise or the, 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 the Drive Assist. We've had that for a couple of years now. Um, in terms of efficiency, We've got the, the 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 big rig side had gotten kind of sloppy with 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 some of their some of their ideas, and then I think there's the big rigs a little bit farther ahead, but not by much. Definitely, definitely, the, the last couple of years. The, the light duty trucks have been closing the gap. That's for sure. I think, I think one of the and, challenges too, is when you were talking about the old school, like the mechanics and they like working on the pre pre emission yeah. stuff, but what the new ones have, I think it's kind of the same thing for a potential truck owner is, you know, you say you want to find a 030759 or, you know, an older Duramax or power stroke or something like that. You can have the simplicity, but the yeah. new ones are so packed with features and tow ratings, and right. payload, and all these things that I think yeah. it, it's kind of difficult to pick between the two. You almost need one of each, but but I think that's really the <laughs> you know, kind of the selling point of the newer trucks, like a 2022, 2023 is, you know, I have new styling, I have great interior, I've got a touchscreen. I've got all these features, uh, you know, if I want to take the family camping or something, go on a road trip, I like having this verse, you know, my 01 LB7 or, you know, my 0359 that might not have it. So I can see how that's a, you know, kind of a, a similarity that, uh, you know, both groups right. might face. One, one question I did think of asking you because I, I've seen this in the news recently is with uh, electric semi-trucks. Now, I saw it, I heard Elon Musk talking about it. 
what what do you think of those like yeah. is that is that something that's viable is it something that uh you know in your industry people are resistant to or are they thinking this might potentially work you know in the future or this could save us operating costs or downtime or mileage or, or what's kind of the the prevailing winds you know on on your side when it comes to EVs yeah so they've um EV trucks they've been they've they've been in the in-town services for for about a year and a half now almost two you're talking you know yard dogs or or LTL freight you know the day cabs that run with the short little trailers going from business to business they've been doing that for about a year and a half now um the, that's where the viability is short range no tailpipe emissions um instant power kind of what what they're all looking for in the in the met, you know metropolitan downtown type of type of usage in terms of long range you know running cross country or cross state even not really the the technology isn't there yet they're looking at Mo the 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 most they've gotten able to been able to reliably get out of out of a all electric vehicle is is about two hundred miles, and that's that's with a significant cut in payload because you know batteries are heavy, they're yeah. they're a lot more heavy than than a, a conventional drivetrain. Um, there's been some real big steps towards integration with alternative fuels uh like natural gas you know, propane type of thing or or like a i call it junk juice they they mix kind of the the after products of of the of the petroleum refining um processes and they've they they overhaul existing motors to to take it same thing with the with the liquid natural gas or the compressed they they retrofit the the Cummins is is currently the leader in that and that's kind of, that's kind of where the whether whether the media and the 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 the, the, the talking heads say or not alternative fuels is get, is really where the market's heading over electric for now because the availability, because of the lack of infrastructure, you know, because of the sheer weight that EVs requ require to, to maintain their their range and power. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of the, a lot of the drivers. They're really they don't want to see diesel go. We but we won't we won't see it for a long time become any less necessary because of alternative fuels or because of EVs just we've been running diesel for so long and it's going to run for a lot longer just because the technology hasn't reached the ability to replace it and as a kind of a side note with that the sheer cost of an EV truck is currently about triple of a brand new rig, like a, the rig I'm in is a 2022 international. It cost about 220,000. 
current price for an EV is about five fifty to six hundred thousand per unit. So, kind of on top of all the other roadblocks, you have the price point that yeah. eh, <laughs> is a big stumbling block. <laughs> well, it's tough because. I like to follow <clears throat> all different sides of automotive. Diesel is, is is my main interest and passion, but I do follow EVs. I follow well, really everything. And I understand that yeah. innovation and creativity and thinking you know, ahead 10 years, 20 years, 30 years is so important. And yeah. real innovators you know, in any, any field, they do that. And so... Yeah, I see the uh, F-150 Lightning, I know GM's got their electric truck, and you know there's, there's more and more coming out. But when I think about the usability of it, I come back to the infrastructure. I come back to the ability to be able to yeah. you know, plug in millions of vehicles, and it's just not quite there. So the next thing I think about, like you mentioned, was alternative fuels or hybrid technologies or something like that where you can almost bridge the gap and you know for someone who's who's using their truck for work they might be able to get some benefits from it um it might not be that complete just jump from an internal combustion engine to you know a series of motors on a vehicle and then where do you stop where is the stations at can the power plants supply enough <laughs> energy for it and where are they spaced out it just seems yep. like it seems like uh the push for it is just a little bit too soon or it's not realistic because of the infrastructure for sure yeah that's a that's the leading one of the leading kind of debate points for the ev push is getting getting the getting the sheer amount of power let alone distributing it and being able to dispense it is just astronomical in the in the in the scope of things and like california passed that that stupid bill that you can't sell or buy you know regular gas vehicles after i think 2025 or something like that all the all the people actually working on the ground and in the infrastructure and and trying to to figure it out they're like you're going to pull some magic or something because it's not happening. <laughs> it really, it really is a pie in the sky idea for a, a foreseeable future. Definitely. Yeah. We're looking at, we're looking at a solid 10 or 15 years before it can even be considered cross state, let alone cross country. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a conversation that, uh, it's interesting to hear how it exists in that side as well as, you know, the pickup truck side. And we were talking a little bit before the podcast and I'd mentioned um, the new Tundra with its, you know, V6 turbo yep. hybrid. And I, it caught my attention with something and I was looking at the torque numbers. And I thought, you know, if we were to rewind 25 years, 30 years, <laughs> I mean, th that's like, I don't remember the exact number it made. But it was up there, you know, compared to an older diesel truck. And it got me thinking at one point about, you know, what, what can we do on the diesel side? Is that the future of it? Is it some sort of, you know, diesel electric hybrid? And I wanted to ask you about semi-trucks and, and the heavy-duty market is, you know, what do you think would be that gap or, or, or bridging 
maybe not even bridging, but being the future, so to speak, is is some sort of hybrid technology like that something that, that you think would be viable? It definitely is. Um, it kind of goes back to the adage of, of old is new, kind of like with the, with the Turbo episode uh, two or three episodes ago. Yeah. Old is old is coming back. They've been running um, diesel electric. You know, they have it in trains. They have it in logging equipment. They have it in in heavy duty off road equipment. Hasn't really gone away. But there's a company out of Canada called Edison Motors that they're developing both their their first their first project is creating a diesel electric system for big rigs. They start with off road vocational. Um, pipe trucks, logging trucks, things like that. And then they're going to shift into the day, into the street market and then eventually into like a five-ton service truck industry, you know, like the, the Holt Cat service trucks. And it comes with a – there's really no downsides besides a little bit of weight gain. So what they're doing is that they're taking a gen set, uh, like, a, like an Onan gen set with I think it's a four-cylinder Cummins. And depending on the power power output, depends on the size of the generator. They're they're dropping that in instead of you know what's in in the trucks, the CX-15 or the the Packard motors. And then they're running it to the the biggest motor electric motor they can find that fits in the truck. And but that eliminates uh, the transmission, it eliminates the DPF system because they're not on road motors. And it, it decreases the overall weight of the motor. So all combined, you end up with about a 400-pound gain in total drivetrain weight. But what you benefit from is the instant torque, instant power, instant acceleration of the electric motors. Um, they ran it on the dyno, and it's equivalent to the 20 the 2023 packar motor like on the maximum power output they're looking at about 650 horses and then on average torque they're looking at about 1500 foot pounds but what they what what the real benefit is is that you don't have to you, you you gain in fuel savings because you're no longer running a the you're not running the motor every single moment that you're going down the road. It's only running to recharge the batteries, or you want to go into something similar to overdrive, where you got to power up a hill type of thing. So you gain fuel savings by that. You gain longevity because in, in uh, 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 electric motors just take less maintenance. They last, they last longer than like a conventional transmission, less maintenance, longer lifespan. And then you also stretch out the lifespan of your diesel generator because it's not running 12 hours a day, six days a week. So you have less maintenance, less repairs, less fuel consumption. And then to add it all together, it's much more efficient per unit of output. So 
you consume less fuel and less oil compared to my truck, for example, per horsepower, per foot, foot, foot pound of torque per mile. And to throw icing on that, they're not that expensive. Currently, they're looking at about thirty-five dollars to $40,000 for a retrofit kit. That is, that's essentially a drop-in kit. And that costs about as much as a, as a, as a, as a drivetrain rebuild. Now is, so, uh, like with pickup trucks, I've had some guests on, we've talked about, um, it's been more phrased around racing, but like the yeah. RPM Act, what can you make a race vehicle? Can you run um, a different engine than what the VIN number said it had from the factory? Are these, say that example that you gave and in that segment, is it different or is it is it not such a big deal, say if you were to take a, whenever this is available to you know buy and install, take a 2020 model, put this diesel hybrid electric engine in it, is that you know good to go to all 50 states with or is it kind of that gray area like with pickup trucks and race vehicles and you know what so, you, what you can do yeah so it's a good question and and it's a hard answer since it's kind of pushing through the curtain there isn't much that has happened on road since yeah. the 70s and currently the there is no legal legal problems because thankfully some of the way the the EPA regulations are written and kind of the supporting laws on on mismatching motors to trucks and things like that it's pretty loose so as long as it as long as it matches the the rating of the motor the the manufactured rating of the motor is really where the really the only only defining factor so like the gens that that they use is epa compliant in its usage in all of its adjustments so they don't have a problem putting it on road because kind of a loophole is that it's not the primary drive of the axles the electric motor is so there was a there's a loophole in the in the in the regulations that someone found that if the motor that drives the wheels is it, it's it, it that's what makes the emissions tied to the operation of of being on the roadway. Gotcha. So it might be confusing, but yeah, basically they can get around that because the electric motor is the drive motor, not the gen set. That makes sense. I think one of the things that uh, 
I've seen it pop up on YouTube comments before with, with emissions episodes and, or even just talking about like how much more reliable the newer trucks are than like an 08 or 07 and a half. Something guys will say is, yeah, but it doesn't have the sound. And <laughs> I, I don't know if it's necessarily like that with, you know, semi trucks, but as a diesel enthusiast, you know, you mentioned having a 12 valve, they have a distinct sound. They sound great. I mean, yeah. I, I love how they sound. Um, pretty yeah. much all five nines. I like how they sound, but it's so hard. I think to say, Hey, here's this, you know, we're looking in the future a little bit. I don't know when it would be, but here's your diesel electric, nearly silent pickup truck. And you have that enthusiast part of, yeah, loving diesel. You're like, I want to hear the exhaust, whether it's a Duramax, a power stroke, yeah. a, a Cummins. Yeah. And I haven't thought of a way you could ever bridge that gap because you can have the creature comforts, a nice interior, the safety features, more torque, more horsepower. But if you don't hear anything, it's like we yeah. miss that connection to, <laughs> you know, the automobile, the, the the truck, the road, everything. For sure. Yeah, that's probably the biggest downside of that type of system is the little kid and all of us goes, I want to hear it when I yeah. stop on the pedal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's definitely a, a strange thing to to notice. And one of the the good thing is that with the hybrid electrics, you can get that sometimes. They do have an override switch on the dash. You can switch and it can it'll t constantly run. You just won't hear it when you hit the <laughs> throttle. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the good thing is though, the good thing is when you know you don't you ain't having a great day. When they run quiet, you know, your head's pounding. It's kind of nice not to have that, that that sound in the background. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it definitely. I went on a few road trips with a straight piped Cummins, and it's, it's like, great around town. <laughs> but once you get cruising on the highway and you hear that that drone for two or three hours, it's like, yep. I just need a little bit of quiet for a little bit. But Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> That was, it's really cool to to chat with you and get this insight because you get so focused on pickup trucks and I get so um, yeah. kind of focused around those topics and sometimes it can be overwhelming and we think, man, the emission systems are just going to kill the trucks. You know, we're just kind of languishing around. There's no innovation with it. Uh, we just got to sacrifice longevity, fuel economy, everything else. And then eventually one of the big three is going to have a three quarter, one ton electric truck. And there goes, you know, all my fun. I get a hundred miles, baby tops towing <laughs> and that's the end of it. But with, I think with the semi, with semi trucks, with transportation, it is so crucial. You know, we hear a lot about it in the news now with, you know, diesel fuel reserves and the price of fuel and how connected that is to our everyday way of life, a grocery store, any store we go to, things we get delivered. Yeah. It's, it's of such importance that, you know, when you had mentioned, you know, doing this podcast, I was really excited because I think the innovation is going to start there. It has to start there because there's 300 million people that depend on it in yeah. one way or another. So me as, you know, diesel pickup truck enthusiast, podcast host, it makes me excited to hear about these technologies, no matter what company it's coming from and what they're <laughs> doing, you know, to say, okay, yeah. there, there are some things being worked on. There are some things that are really cool. Maybe the yeah. DPF and emission systems don't have to be as aggressive because there's these other technologies. Um, 
that kind of gives us a little bit of hope for it. So it, it was really cool to hear, yeah, you know, your experience and your insights on it. For sure, yeah, something and kind of kind of as a side note, um, some of the some of the things, some of the new programs that have been developed for the new trucks for skirting the law purposes with DPS systems. They've become so so on point and and fine-tuned. You couldn't tell the difference in between a uh, stock emissions truck and a fully deleted straight piped, you know, identical twin that's been deleted and reprogrammed in terms of emissions. That's how far we've come from 2007 when, you know, you had critical failures in the, in the DPS systems versus now the, the technology has caught up with the demand for, for cleaner running trucks, higher efficiency trucks that we're slowly getting to the point where we're going, what do we need the EPA for? What do we need these regulations for? The market has reached the point that we can satisfy the demands for good, reliable running trucks that have a highly efficient system in them. And that's kind of the question we need to ask is that what can we do to reach that point to go, we don't need the EPA anymore. The market has created the the replacement and demand for it so you know can we can we abolish the epa we have we we have no longer need them that's really kind of the kind of the question you know i think a lot of people need to ask is what can we do what yeah. what can we create to to benefit the market and you know the customers yeah, i think that's i think that's a really good really good point there was a guest who had mentioned or was talking about sports cars or muscle cars you know like the late 70s early 80s i think he brought up a corvette and i don't yeah. remember how much power they made 180 210 horsepower whatever it is yeah because yeah. the technology wasn't there for the emission standards of the day, they had to cut the power back. And you look at them now and they're seven, 800 horsepower and they have everything on right. it. And so the technology, or like you mentioned, where the market said, Hey, we can meet your standards and we can add 600 horsepower to it or 500 horsepower. And you get all these creature yep. comforts and you have all these things and you have a warranty and you have all this stuff the market led the way. And I think that's, what's really exciting because it feels like the last 15 years has been the opposite way of here's your emission standards, meet them. This is just my personal opinion. I don't think yeah. the technology <laughs> was there and, but they, you know, the big three did what they had to do to have it meet right. it. And then we all kind of beta tested it with our O2 sensors, our DPFs, our EGR valves and yep. check engine lights and everything else. But now it, it feels like it's primed to just, leap forward ahead in a way that the EPA doesn't have to police it as much because it's, yeah. I don't want to say policed itself, yeah. but it's just evolved enough to where it's like <laughs> we make more power, more torque. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it could be, it could be considered that they, they realize that, you know, 
their usefulness is coming to an end and it could be theorized that's why they're you know really cracking down on 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 performance shops and people that are that are you know doing doing aftermarket work is maybe they're feeling insecure now i don't know it's <laughs> it's a possibility <laughs> it, is. it is well I, I mean i appreciate you reaching out to us christopher sharing you know your experience your insights I appreciate you listening to the podcast and you know keep us updated stay in touch with us let us know you know things or, or new new technologies or new stuff that's happening on that side because i know you know, there's some listeners we have where they they're in both parts of diesel you know they're in the heavy duty market and they drive sure. you know, a duramax or cummins a power stroke and 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 they love it and yeah. so i think being able to bridge those two and, and them kind of feeding off each other a little bit and uh you know understanding sure. yeah. what you guys are doing what you guys are seeing you know helps us as yeah for sure people drive pickup trucks so yeah. again i appreciate you reaching out taking time today to chat with us and and cover this uh important topic yeah, sure. Thank you. Glad I could. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun getting, getting new information out there and, you know, learning something along the way as well. So it's, it, it's great. Don't forget diesel fans, make sure and head on over to Kershaw.kiausa.com. If you're in the market for a knife, use code diesel 20, get 20% off site wide. It's a great way to save some money. If you need something for EDC or hunting, fishing, you know, something around the house, outdoors. I know a lot of you guys have taken advantage of it, and it's a great way to save some money. So we appreciate our friends over there offering that discount code for you guys. Also want to give a shout-out to some of our Patreon supporters, Tyler Lowen of 23Diesel, also Caleb, all of our other Patreon supporters, all of you who subscribe on YouTube, podcast apps, our Instagram, Facebook page. We appreciate all the support you guys have given us over the years. And, you know, like, for example, this week, you got us into the top 10 on iTunes Automotive, which is a, a big feat to do. Most of the podcasts aren't there, aren't diesel. They're about gas, electric, you know, racing, things like that. And we peaked at number seven, we're at number eight, you know, the day before. So we appreciate the support you guys give us by listening, sharing the podcast with your friends, um, you know, joining our Discord, chatting with us about your truck builds, giving us suggestions for, you know, episodes and, and things like that. We love hearing from you guys. Until next time. Keep the shiny side up.